Well, good morning. Uh, you guys, you guys got good vibes going on this morning. I'm picking up good vibrations. I don't so we're we're feeling the good vibes this morning. We did have a great time yesterday. Thank you again so much for everyone that participated and and just came. It was such a blessing. I think you know we we uh, say we feel these good vibes because we just feel good about what God's done. We just sang about that. A lot of the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning are about who God is and about what he's done. And when you think about those things, you feel good. You feel like, yeah, you know, God, God is working and God is uh, working in my life and, and uh, he is good. And he's good all the time and that should make us feel good about life. This morning, uh, we're continuing our series through the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses this morning that will continue this theme of the vibe life, living the good vibe life, if you will. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in one of the most stressful times in recent history that I know of. Would you agree? A lot of stress going on. A lot of people stressed out. Uh, a lot of people unhinged even because of all the stress. Uh, I read... Some statistics this morning, or not this morning, but this past week in preparation for this morning, from the uh, American Institute of Stress. How would you like that job? <laughs> hey, where do you work? Oh, I work for the American Institute of Stress. Please stop talking to me. Oh. Uh, well, they say this. The year 2022, around 87% of the people that responded in their survey cited the rising cost of day-to-day -day necessities like groceries, gas, and electricity to be a major source of stress for them. Can I get an amen? Right? We're like, what's up? They went on to break it down further and let us know some more contributing factors to the stress in our country today. 81% of Americans say they're stressed out due to the supply chain issues. That's been going on for some time. 87% of Americans are stressed due to the rising Cost of inflation, it's, it's up uh, from 2021 quite a bit. It was in the 50s, mid-50s, high 50s, and now it's 87% are stressed about inflation. How about um, the stress that comes from uh, concern over Russia? You ever look at what's going on, you're going, uh, hey, what's happening here? You know, where's this going to end? And there's some stress related to that, cyber attacks, nuclear threats. 69% uh, of Americans fear that World War III could break out. That's a lot of people that think that World War III could break out and that we're in the very genesis of that, of that phase. You know, that's a, uh, a stressful thought, isn't it? And then 65% of Americans say they were stressed about money in the economy, which that's probably all the time, right? We always seem to have stress related to that. Real quick, some other things that they mentioned uh, about contributors to stress is that COVID-19, the pandemic, they say, drastically changed their lives. Would you agree with that? I think it's drastically changed our country, especially the way we operate, the way we see life. 66 of those respondents were stressed about the fact that the pandemic may never end. We keep having these variants. And that, listen, that's a real stress for a lot of people. And uh, that last statistic you may see on that chart there, I don't know if you can read that, but it says uh, over 70% of people, I love this one, admitted having gotten better at prioritizing 
important task due to the pandemic. I think that's a good thing. What are we learning from all the stress that we see in our, in our country today, in our lives? There's a lot of stressed out people, and I don't know if you notice this, but they're all on Facebook. Uh, in particular, the Burleson Residence page. <laughs> right? So I guess with so many people like stressed out, and legitimately, you know, so, there's legitimate things to, to be concerned about. We're not trying to undermine it. But with so many people stressed out and so many media platforms to communicate how stressed you are about the service you just got or didn't get, you know, or uh, right, whatever predicament you find yourself in, plenty of ways to share that with all of us. Thank you, right? We love to vent and let people know how bad we're doing sometimes. With that, though, comes a lot of bad vibes, folks. A lot of bad vibes flowing through, uh, through our lives, through different venues. Uh, here's why I share all that. Though we're in one of the most uh, stressful times that I know of in recent history, uh, we can all relate to the stress. Let's be honest. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat when it comes to these situations that we all face day to day in our lives, in our country. But as believers in Jesus Christ, though there are a lot of things that can cause us stress and anxiety and worry, we need to remember that God is in absolute control. Amen? We have a sovereign God, an all-powerful God, who is not once battered an eye at anything that's happening. And I think when you understand that as a believer in Christ, as a child of God, God's got this. He's in control. In these times, we have to remember the sovereignty of God. And because of that, we can have a positive attitude in every situation. You may not have that initially, but I think we can be some of the most positive people in the world because we understand who God is and that he's in control. I think that's why Peter's writing to these believers in the first century. He's writing because they're stressed out. There's a lot of things going on that they didn't have going on in their life just months and, and maybe years prior. They were being persecuted. They were chased from their homes, if you recall, because of their faith in Jesus. They were ostracized by their uh, peers and people in their community. And so Peter's writing to say, hey guys, don't forget, there's a way to perceive life, there's a way to view life, so that you can have good vibes, so to speak, that flow through your life from your faith in a powerful, all-wise God. If you recall last week, I gave the, the technical definition of good vibes, and good vibes is a slang phrase for just the positive feelings given off by a person, place, or situation. That's what we're talking about. But we kind of hijacked that term, and, and I kind of said last week that we're really talking about God vibes. And I came up with my own definition. God vibes is a slang term, slang phrase, for the Christ-like feelings given off by a believer in Christ to another person in any <clears throat> place or situation. Don't Google that because you won't find that on Google. I just kind of made that up. But when we're talking about good vibes, and we're Christianizing it, we're talking about God vibes. It's what people uh, get from you 
when you're walking with God through the situations of your life, when you encounter people, are you giving off God vibes because you have confidence in God in the times of crisis? I think our, our world is in desperate need for a lot more God vibe Christians. Would you agree? Don't we need more positive people, more positive messaging? And it needs to be Christ-like. I want to live the vibe life. And I imagine you do. And that's what this morning is all about. I think I want a nickname. I want to be Good Vibe Gary. <laughs> Good Vibe Gary. That should, probably should be an action hero. But you know, honestly, oftentimes I don't feel like Good Vibe Gary. Like when you guys see me, you know, on a pulpit or on a Sunday or, you know, hopefully you get good vibes. And I think church is a place where we kind of all try to um, give off the, the God vibes, so to speak. But there are times in my life, there are circumstances in my life that get me down. I ain't feeling so good. There's not always cause to, to be positive. Uh, it feels like in, at times in our life. We get discouraged, don't we? When a, an event or a circumstance comes through your life when you get bad vibes from the internet. It's a great source of bad vibes. Watching the news, another source of bad vibes. What I need in those times of my life where I'm tempted to be down and discouraged, I need to uh, remember that God loves me absolutely unconditionally and that I can trust Him with my life. I can trust Him with my circumstances. I can trust Him with my family and friends and the situations in my life. So that's what we looked at last week. How do you live the vibe life, as we've called it this morning? How do you experience the peace of God in your life in such a way that other people take notice? That they say, hey, there's a person that's given off God vibes, Christ-like vibes, faith vibes, if you will. Last week we saw that you got to give those good vibes. Look at verse 8 in chapter 3. It says, to sum up, all of you, or finally all of you, be like-minded, Christian. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Peter's saying, as a believer in Christ, as a child of God, put on these good vibes, in a sense. Put on this heart of compassion. Put on uh, sympathy. Be compassionate and humble towards other people and give off the good vibes in that way. But then in 9 and 10, you've got to get rid of the bad vibes or eliminate the bad vibes. That's the point in your bulletin this morning. Because he goes on to say in verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For what, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. So to live the vibe life, if you will, you not only have to give off good vibes by demonstrating these Christ-like qualities in your life, sympathy, love, compassion, humility, but you also got to get rid of the bad vibes. Nothing, nothing gives off bad vibes more than our tongue, right? Than our tongue.
and it happens so fast. Proverbs 18.21 tells us, The tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Amen? I love to talk. I don't like that verse. But there's power in our words. And listen, I think Peter's writing because this letter was going to be circulated among, among the churches, and there's other believers that would read this. And he, I think Peter was saying, listen, uh, if we're ever going to come together as the people of God, as the family of Christ, whether you're here in this city or that city, if we're ever going to come together as the people of God, as the redeemed children of God, and learn to love one another and honor people, then we have to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You ever think about that? If we're ever going to grow in our love for God, if we're ever going to grow in our, our love for other Christians, the household of God, if we're ever going to learn to love the lost world who God has called us to reach, we have to guard our tongues. Why? Well, James 3 and verse 6 tells us why we need to control our tongue. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course, whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! There's a powerful statement about the tongue. Do we think about our words and the way we communicate and, and ways like James explains. He doesn't pull any punches, does he? How do you really feel about the tongue, James? Well, here you go. It will set a person's entire life on fire. And I think we know that to be true. How many fires have been lit because, because of the tongue of another person? We used to grow up saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How foolish is that today right because we say things that hurt people all the time cyber bullying is, is a, a big thing today kids have been pressured to take their own lives because the power of words no wonder he says life and death are in the power of the tongue words can ruin lives words have ruined families they've ruined churches They've ruined whole communities. But the opposite is also true. Words have the power to build up. Words have saved people's lives. Words have, have saved families and churches and communities. The gospel is the word of God, and it's transformed lives. Amen? So we know there's power in words as well. So when it comes to our life as a follower of Jesus, how do we live out our life of faith for, uh, for, in a way that pleases God, in a way that gives off good vibes. Well, we, we control our tongues is one way. That's no small way, is it? That's a huge, monumental task. Our tongues. And it says a lot about our spiritual maturity. James goes on to say, hey, uh, like, you know, if you put a bridle in a horse's mouth, you can control the whole horse. But it's the same way with a, a human. If you can control the tongue, you control the whole body. That's power. Such a small part, yet so much power in the tongue. 
And I would say that, I know this is true in my life, if my tongue's ever out of control, it's a good indicator that my heart's out of control. That my walk with God isn't where it ought to be. And so that's a great indicator for me. What does that look like practically day to day in our lives? This is important stuff, and I'm belaboring this first point, like I always do, but especially this morning, because this is such an important part of the Christian life. This is such an important part of the mission that God has for all of us in in communicating the gospel to the world. What does it look like in the life of us as Christians? Well, I think the cultural equivalent, which is something we learn in Bible, Bible college, the cultural equivalent to what Peter is saying to the people then today would be that life and death are in the power of the keyboard. In the power of the keyboard. Because a lot of our talking is digital today, isn't it? <clears throat> Paul Tripp. I'm, I'm a big fan of Paul Tripp. And I, we don't have alignment on theology on all things, which is fine. Paul is such a blessing, though. He's written so many books that have blessed my heart. Uh, but he wrote an article recently called Love One Another on Twitter. And listen to what he says. And again, Paul got on Twitter years ago, Paul Tripp, really just as an as a avenue to promote the gospel. It's always positive, always biblical. It's always just uplifting, truthful things that Paul has posted. But, you know, not everyone wants to hear that, do they? And so he wrote this article, and he actually has a book out that uh, goes along with this. But he says, I am again and again shocked at the darkness and abuse that now lives on social media. So much of that results from people emboldened by the protective cover of a remote screen and keyboard. The prevalence of this toxic digital culture should grieve and concern us. But listen to this. But what should make us grieve the most is that these nasty interactions have infected and stained the church. And then he says, Jesus is saying that the mark of a disciple... The core indication that you have been visited, rescued, and transformed by grace is love. And then he says, in today's world of digital communication and social media, many of us are reacting in a way that falls way below this standard. And I would say absolutely 100% amen to that, Paul Tripp. We are horribly failing. And falling way below of God's standard of loving one another when it comes to our digital interactions with people. With our communication. Back then it was the mouth, it was the lips, it was the gossip, it was the rhetoric, it was whatever. Today, it's every other way that we communicate. It's so easy to communicate today. But you know it's nothing new. They had the same problems back in the first century. It's a little comforting, I guess. James tells us in James 3, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Keep that in mind. Humans have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Amen. It should not be. But it is. Unfortunately. And I think Peter's caution here is to everyone that names the name of Jesus Christ in this world, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. It seems easy enough. 
Whether, whether the insult was even directed at you, whether, whether the evil was even directed at you or not, whether it was directed at you or your family, whether, whether the evil or the insult was directed to your faith or your church or even your mama. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it, it matters how we respond. And Peter's saying, hey, don't repay. Somebody lights you up, says something you don't like, something you disagree with. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't give an insult back. But that's the way we operate, isn't it? Saying eliminate the bad vibes, first of all, by your hurtful speech. Get it out of your, out of your life. Anything that hurts someone else. This isn't talking about cussing, by the way. The words that Peter uses for evil and insult here in the Greek really mean, well, evil means uh, pertaining to being bad with the implication of harmful and damaging, okay? So if you're doing something or speaking something bad against someone or insults are, are to speak in a highly insulting manner, to slander or to insult or strongly slander or insult. I think what Peter's saying, listen, as a believer in Jesus, as a follower, as a representative of God in this world, we got to do better. We got to raise the standard for Christians. We're called to this. He says that, to this you were called. We've been redeemed by the love of Jesus Christ. We've been cleansed of all of our sin. God has shown us amazing grace, unconditional favor in our lives. And he says that you are called to show that same love and grace and honor to everyone else that you come in contact with in life. That's what it's saying. Whether in person or online. Whether you know them or you don't know them. Give grace. We love them. We love people. That's what we're called to do. By our words and our actions. We don't repay evil. evil. We don't insult Others for insults, period, no questions asked. Uh, and he goes a step further. He says that, you know, it's one thing to not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. That's hard enough, isn't it? Just to not respond to something some knucklehead says on the internet or whatever, or somebody says something to you or whatever. That's hard to do sometimes because we are still flesh, so we still have a sin nature. We still have this uh, fight in us sometimes that wants to respond. I mean, let's be honest. Somebody says something to hurt or offend you, the first thing that comes to mind isn't, oh, how can I bless this person? I'm going to pray a blessing over this person that just called me this name, or whatever, right? Or spoke evil against me, or maligned me. That's not the first response, is it? Maybe it is for you. Maybe you've uh, got this down, but I think for the rest of us, it's a struggle. What we want to do is show this person just how dumb they really are, right? What, you want to match wits with me? All right, I got dad jokes. All right, but if we want to respond, right? We want to say, Psh, look what this guy is rambling about over here, right? That's at least how I respond a lot of times, or want to. So what do we do? What do you do when that happens, guys? When somebody, when you see something that you disagree with, 
Maybe somebody's out there uh, maligning you. What if somebody's maligning your Savior, your faith? What if they're undermining what you believe, what your views are? How do you respond? That's what I think Peter is getting at. And he's saying, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. In fact, be a blessing. Here's, here's how you respond. You bless people who do that. The Greek word for blessing just means to, to eulogize someone, to say something good. You know, when there's a, a funeral, you don't usually hear people standing up and bad-mouthing the deceased, do you? That's, you know, that bad vibes is what that is. But you say something good, and that's what we do. We give grace. We give grace to people. We speak a blessing. We want God's grace to overflow through them as it has to us. Amen? That's what Peter wants us to do. And we're called to bless the world. And that's what I call living the Bible life, the last point this morning. Verses 10 to 12 say, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. You have to turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to the prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I think this is the key to the vibe life, guys. This is it. Whoever would love life, and see good days. Does that describe you? I love life. I want to love life. I want to see good days. I think everyone would say that. I want the vibe life. But there are days when I hate life. There are days probably when you hate life. There are people in the Bible that cursed the very day they were born because they hated life. There are times when I didn't want to live life. Maybe you can relate to that. I'm no different than any other resident of heaven trying to enjoy life on earth in a sinful world. It's hard, isn't it? Isn't life hard most days? Don't you encounter bad vibes and a lot of negativity a lot in your life? Hardships, trials, suffering, unanswered questions. Life is hard. If you're a Christian today and you're living for Jesus and you're trying to live differently, it's even harder. It's even harder to be harmonious and sympathetic and loving, compassionate and humble. It's hard, isn't it? Nobody says this is easy. I mean, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the pleasures of life. You can have even the greatest amount of wisdom a person can have and still have days where like Solomon, you think to yourself, as he says in Ecclesiastes 2, I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless like chasing the wind. Solomon had some bad vibes going on. He wasn't living the vibe life, if you will. Why? Why did Solomon the wisest man to have ever lived, according to the Bible, hate life. Because Solomon tried to live most of his life without the one ingredient that makes life worth living, and that is the blessing of God. Now, God blessed Solomon 
He blessed him with wisdom early in his life, but Solomon decided to pursue life his own way. He thought that he didn't need whatever God was offering. He was the king of Israel. Unlimited money, unlimited property, unlimited women. Anything that he ever wanted to do or even thought to do, he just did it. He experimented with things, he says. And he thought he was loving life for a time. He thought he was seeing good days for a time. We've been there, just doing your thing, living life. God's not in the equation, really, though. And you think you're living the vibe life, the good life, enjoying life and seeing good days. That is, until the good life isn't good anymore. That's until the good days turn into pointless days. When the good life isn't so good anymore. When all the things that Solomon built his life on for all those years suddenly didn't fulfill him anymore. It's just not so fun anymore. It doesn't bring joy like it maybe once did. And so then Solomon was left to ponder the the deepest questions of life, the question like, what is life all about anyway? And so in his pursuit of the answer to that question, what is life, at the end of his journey, at the end of his uh, thorough investigation of that question, and unfortunately at the end of his life, he figured it out. Here's what he shared in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. That's the whole story, folks. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Isn't that amazing that that's His conclusion? After all the research and, I mean, we're talking the smartest guy to ever live. He said, I'm going to find out what the real meaning of life is, and this is what he found out. It's about God. It's about obedience to God. It's about living the good life and seeing good days from God. This is the same person, uh, same, excuse me, same reason that Peter says that people should live this life, because the eyes of the Lord are on us. I think what we need to do as Christians, we need to really work harder at developing a God conscience. You may call it the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but I think it's called practicing the presence of God. When you realize that the eyes of the Lord are on us all the time. We've lost the fear of the Lord. And it's not a, a being scared of God, it's a reverence. It's a realization that God is always with me. He's always working in my life. He always wants to, to do something in me and through me. And I've got to be aware of that. And God says if you want to, to be blessed, if you want to inherit a blessing, he says in this passage, well then bless other people. And when you bless other people, guess what? God brings good days. God's the one that gives life. Well, how do you live in such a way that you would inherit a blessing? 
couple ways here in closing from Psalm 34. That's what Peter quotes here in verses 10 and following, 10 and 12. He's quoting from Psalms. And here are just four, uh, four quick ways. You can write these down. They're not in your bulletin, but write them down. Live by them. You will be blessed. You'll be vibing. Number one, deliberately decide to love life. Listen, loving your life is an act of the will. He who wills to love life is what we're talking about. It's an attitude of faith, Christians, that sees the best in every situation. It approaches life that way. It's the opposite of the pessimistic attitude that, that uh, Solomon expressed through most of his, his letter. It's being optimistic. And why? Warren Wearsby says, we can decide to endure life and make it a burden, escape life as though we were running from a battle, or enjoy life because we know God is in control. You've got to choose that. That's faith. That's how you inherit a blessing. Determine in your heart, life is good. God is good. He's in control. I'm going to love my life. Can I just say that uh, Shayla and I have been talking recently, and this probably seems weird, but I feel that we are loving life more right now than at any time in our life. Isn't that a strange thing to say when my wife is battling cancer and we don't know yet how that will end according to the plan of God? We're kind of the brokest we've ever been in life, to be honest with you. I'm feeding animals, farm animals, okay? We love life. Why? God's in control. We're just choosing to trust him. Doesn't mean we love every day, but we love life and the giver of life. And we're going to trust him. Number two, control your tongue. That's how you do it, guys. That's how you inherit a blessing. That's how you live the vibe life. Watch it. Keep our tongue from evil and our lips from deceit. That means controlling our computer boards, controlling our phones, and what we're texting, what we're communicating. It's all included here. Every form of communication whereby we transmit a message to someone else must be, listen to this, free from evil and deceit. Eliminate it. Every form of communication free from evil and deceit. Remember, it's, it's, there's no bad intention in what I'm about to say. I'm not trying to cause anyone harm. I'm not trying to discourage anyone, talk down to anyone, make fun of anyone. My communication in this moment as a child of God will be seasoned with salt. That's what I think the challenge is. Surrender your tongue to the Holy Spirit who screams at you every time that you're about to say something or about to post something or about to text something. That's especially good for us couples, right? Thirdly, seek peace and pursue it. That's what he says here. If you, if you go looking for trouble, you're going to find it. You know, I got off a lot of uh, Facebook... Um, 
discussion pages, topic, topical pages, you know, where, hey, everyone that hates Calvinists, join this group. Yeah, put me in there. Some edifying conversations in there. If you're pro this or anti that, join this page. No thanks. I've been there, done that. Not a lot of uh, good vibes going on in those Facebook pages or groups. Uh, so if you go looking for trouble, you'll find it. If you seek peace, Christian, you can find that too. It works both ways. Peter here is referencing Paul's words in Romans 12 as well. Romans 12 says, Never repay evil for evil. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. Boy, we need to hear this. Respect what's right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's a life that trusts God with the results. You hurt me, you said something against me, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to take revenge. God will avenge me. Leave room for the wrath of God. I'm going to seek peace. I'm going to pursue peace. I want to be a peacemaker. You listen, harmony with other people is not always achievable, right? Let's be honest. It's not always possible to have unity with everyone. But here's the, here's the, the clincher. Believers, we cannot be responsible for that lack of peace. We have an obligation to be the peacemaker at whatever cost. Not peace at all cost. So don't misunderstand me. But we should not be the reason that someone cannot have peace. We don't repay verbal or physical abuse with verbal or physical abuse. Instead, we practice good to those people. We do good things for the world to see in the eyes of men. You know, when Paul wrote that to the Romans in Romans 12, he was writing to Christians to help them understand how their interaction with the world can undermine the gospel. And he assumed, rightly so, that there's going to be a temptation for new believers that have a new set of principles, a new worldview, to go out into the world and start mixing it up with people that didn't agree with them, that lived differently, that had different views. And Paul saw the danger coming, and he's saying, listen, here's what the potential is. You're going to get out here, and you're going to, you're going to start fighting with people that you disagree with. You're going to say things. That's going to harm people. It's going to hurt people. And you may never even get to the gospel because you've already hurt and offended someone before you even got there. I think that happens a lot of times today. That sometimes we just ruin opportunities. We ruin opportunities with so many people because we've done offended them and argued with them about an issue that really, at the end of the day, is it that important? Is it eternity? Is it heaven and hell? Are there important issues to, to debate and discuss? Absolutely. For the believer, there's not many, in my opinion, that's worth it. And Paul's trying to get these Christians to think about their interactions. Think about your testimony. Think about the opportunities for the gospel, which is preeminent. And I think we need great wisdom when it comes to what we say and how we communicate 
to the world. Through our lips, through our posts, through our hats, through our t-shirts, through our bumper stickers, what messages are we sending? And are they missing? Listen, are they messages that promote peace? Do they promote peace with everyone? And do they avoid anything that could potentially cause division? I want us to really think deeply about this, Christian. This is a burden of my heart, and it has been for so many years. I know believers that wear certain T-shirts just because they know it angers someone on the other side. People that put bumper stickers on their vehicle because they know it's going to rub the other side wrong. Right? Here's what I believe. Here's what I'm for. And everyone that's not for this, well, guess what? You can just suck it up. Right? Isn't that the messaging that I think we give off sometimes? Here's what I'm for. Here's what I'm against. Here's what I'm ranting on today, everyone. We need wisdom. There are a lot more important issues in life and a lot more important things in life for us to be concerned with as believers rather than being right about issues of our day. This is not going to go over very well, I, ho- uh, I don't imagine, but this, this is not a popular statement. I'm going to say it anyway because I feel like I need to say it. There are more important things in life than expressing our views on climate change on politics, on gun rights, on BLM, CRT, LGBTQ, or whatever issue takes center stage at the time. People are more important. The soul and eternity of people are more important than any of these issues. And I think we just have to stop being driven by our compulsion to express to the world our view on any particular issue under the sun. And we need to start being moved by Jesus Christ and his love for these people. Amen? We should have that love for them. You ever see Jesus sitting around with his disciples and they get into these discussions about, did you hear the raise in taxes in District 13? My kids don't even go to that school. Anyway, anyway, that's important stuff, right? But you don't ever see them talking about laws and government and, and, and issues. Were there moral issues they talked about? Absolutely. But they were about the gospel. They're about reaching the world. They're about being like Jesus and seeing the culture and the society transformed. They were, that's what our mission is, guys. It's to reach people. Here's what I want to encourage you with. The only hill worth dying on is the hill of Calvary. And sometimes we die on so many unimportant hills. Do you follow me on that? You feeling my vibes? (laughs) The only hill that's worth dying on is the hill of Calvary. The gospel. And that's the last point. Bless everyone, number four. Can, can we just bless everybody? 
whether they need it or not, deserve it or not, earned it or not. Can we just bless everybody? Instead of returning evil for evil or insult for insult, let's bless people. Those who love you and those that hate you. Those who agree with you and those who don't. Those you like and those who you don't like. We need to be equal opportunity blessers. In biblical idiom, to bless is to invoke God's graciousness on a person. God blessed us while we were his enemies. Remember that? He sacrifices life for us while we were enemies of his. And he still blesses us every single day of our life as we stumble through this, this life, trying to figure out what living like Jesus really looks like. He still blesses us. He still pours his grace out on us every single day. So if we want to be a community of grace, Burleson Bible Church, we need to all be gracious to all people. Listen, that's the first thing you see when you click on our website, uh, on our homepage. It says that we are a community of grace. You can't see that really well, but I highlighted it for you. What does it mean to be a community of grace? I think it's right here. Be nice. Be loving. Be considerate. Be friendly. Don't be nasty. Don't be mean. Hold your tongue. Do good to all people. Bless people. Proverbs 25 says if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Why? You'll, be, you'll uh, heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Both Paul and Peter referenced this phrase from Proverbs, this passage. But here's why. What does it mean, heaping burning coals? God wants to use your kindness to soften the heart, the hard heart, of an unbeliever, or maybe a believer. God wants to use your, your grace and your kindness to reach a heart. That's how God operates. That phrase, heap burning coals of shame on their head, is an Egyptian penance ritual in which a pers- person guilty of some wrongdoing would carry a pan of burning coals on his head through the town as a sign of his repentance. So thus treating one's enemies kindly may cause him to repent. They would carry it around as if their, their conscience has been cleansed with the coals. They see things differently now. They've repented. That was a symbol. And that's what he's saying. When you do good to someone that's not treating you well, that's not doing good for you or to you, when you bless someone that doesn't bless you, that harms you, this is what God says he does. He'll cause them to repent, and he will reward you. Isn't that what saving faith in Jesus really is? Think about this, guys. Was it not the kindness of God that led you to repentance? 
when you think about it. Was it not the grace of God that appeared offering salvation to all that caused you then to respond in faith? When we encountered the love and the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ, were, we were at peace with God. Do you remember that? Jesus is the one that brought peace. That's the plan. God just pours out his love and his kindness and he just welcomes anyone and says, hey, I know you are a sinner. You've piled up the sin, but I love you and I'm offering you forgiveness and grace and help and eternal life if you just come to me. Isn't that a kind God? That's the way it works, folks. God, make me Make me a peacemaker because I want to see good days. I want to love life. St. Francis of Assisi said this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, granted I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we shall love life. And see good days. Do you see what he's getting at, folks? When we lose our life for Jesus' sake. When we die to self to be more like Jesus. We will see good days. We will love life. Because we'll be walking in faith. We'll be living the vibe life. What vibes are people getting from you, folks? As a, as a believer in Jesus, are they... Getting the good vibes? Are you getting bad vibes from you? Are you living the vibe life? I think it's important. I think how we live says a lot about our faith and it impacts people one way or the other. May we live the vibe life. Father, thank you for this morning, for this time in your word to explore what you've written. You've inspired these words. These are for us today. These are for every person that names the name of Jesus. God, we want to we live that abundant life. We want to have the joy, the peace. We want to learn to respond in faith. We don't want to return insult for insult. There's a temptation all the time, Lord. Whether it's in, the, in our homes with our spouses or kids or with the coworkers or <clears throat> enemies, frenemies, doesn't matter. There's always that temptation, Lord. Because Satan wants to undermine our testimony. He wants to undermine the gospel, the good news of your love through Christians that stumble and fail. God, make, make us a strong community of grace here. Help us to grow in grace. Help us to extend it to others, to all people, to love everyone as you've loved us. We pray in Jesus' name.